Ready? One second. It's recording. It's recording. Good evening and welcome to episode 24 of Unforced Errors. We've had as many episodes as Margaret Court has won Grand Slams, but not quite as many Grand Slams as Novak Djokovic has won. Though he's catching up, isn't he, David? Oh, yes, he is. Good evening. And I guess what we talked about last episode about world domination from Djokovic keeps going on. And yep, we're a bit late, but here we are. Here we are indeed. It's good things are worth waiting for, just as Wimbledon was worth waiting for, because we didn't have a 2020 edition. But anyway, this episode, myself and David will be discussing Wimbledon, Federer and Murray, when they should retire, TV coverage of tennis, and we'll also be branching out into TV reviews, all of which later. But first, David, I've got a question for you. Yes. Novak Djokovic, 20 Grand Slams. Just how many more do you think he can win and also what is there left for him to conquer in the world he's broken so many records what is there still to go for yes i heard today that he stepped out of miami that which is the preparation tournament before the us open i guess it's because he wants to rest after winning the olympics and then have a rest then win the us open to achieve the only thing he's never achieved which is the golden Grand Slam. Yes, yeah. it just must stress at time of recording, he hasn't won the Olympics yet. Yeah. By the time you listen to this, he will have won the Olympics. Exactly. Uh, uh, probably, but he's <laughs> never won the Olympic uh, gold medal in the singles uh, before, has he? So that's one ambition. Definitely. Uh, he's got 20 Grand Slams. How many do you think he can win? Who knows? If he wins two or three per year for the next three years or four, if he stays healthy, he, he can overcome the 30. Now, one thing I noticed that is different about Djokovic is not only the body. The body changed in 2011 when he changed his diet. But his mentality in the last two Grand Slams is different from the past. I think he's more balanced emotionally as well. Would you say that? I think he's using the anger more. Uh, I think uh, when, when the crowd are chanting against him, which of course they do to all players... He feeds off that energy and he almost enjoys it like it's a pantomime or yes. cage fighting or WWF. So I think he's feeding off that. And uh, when he was two sets to love down against Titsipas at the French Open, a lot of people said afterwards that as soon as he started doing well in the third set, they just knew he was going to win. Yes. Even though Titsipas is a great player. It um, was always so obvious. It's like Djokovic versus the world. The crowd is always against him and he still wins everything. But do you think there's anyone out there? You think he could win two Grand Slams a year for the next four years? Wow, imagine that. Is there that. anyone playing tennis now who, who could actually suddenly up their game and stop this robot tallying up and wolfing <laughs> up more Grand Slams and titles? At the moment, we cannot see anything or anyone taking down Djokovic when Djokovic is in the mood to win. In these last few months, watching him play like this... There's no one that even gets close to his level. No you one. You say that as a Federer fan, don't you? Yes. You Federer are a Federer man more yes. than a Djokovic man. Look at what happened two years ago when Federer played the semi-final and the final of his life against Nadal and Djokovic at Wimbledon. 
had match points, played better than Djokovic all match long, and who won the match? Who won the final points? Uh, that's yeah. what it's about. So it's, he's Houdini. He is. So even when you've <laughs> almost beaten him, you haven't beaten him. It's unbelievable. What about equaling Federer's record of eight Wimbledons? Is that impossible? He's got six. He's going to do it. I believe you so. so. And yeah. it's it's sad for a Federer fan because, you know, Nadal has dominated at the French. Yes, great. That's his home. Then we had Federer in Wimbledon. And Wimbledon was yes. his home. And he yes. was like, great, at least he gets to keep something for himself. And where's Djokovic's <laughs> home then? Because he's not doing too bad at the Rod Laver Arena, is he? Yes, it was supposed to be the US Open. <laughs> maybe maybe all the homes will be Djokovic's except the French. There's no time to get 13. There's not, but he could win it next year. He could be the first man to actually win two in a row since Nadal's domination of the, the French started. But True. One of the most impressive feats for me uh, about Djokovic is that he beat Nadal in Nadal's home territory, the French Open, when Nadal was playing very well. And not only that, he did the cross-channel double. He won the French and then Wimbledon in a year when there wasn't that extra week's gap between the French and Wimbledon. So he's wolfing up all those records. But we had a glimpse, um, really, of a few would-be contenders. But are they good enough? Felix, uh, for instance. We've mentioned Shapilova. And then there's Matteo Berrettini, who's 25. Is that too old to suddenly stop the domination and start dominating himself? Berrettini is not really one of my favourite players. Why is that? Why is that? It's just not my style. Like of... Fagini? Yes, but Fagini is, is more to the side of madness. But <laughs> Berrettini is more like... It's just not my style, but he deserves some credit, finalist of uh, Wimbledon. And he has the firepower, just like Vavrinka, but he needs something up there in his mind to allow him to do that because he gets distracted or down on himself at very important points. There was something missing in Berrettini's game to win that final. He's got the firepower in his forehand and his serve. So that's two big weapons mm -hmm. uh, which you can use to, together. Uh, he reminds me of Filipousis a, a bit, really, a player from the, from the past. But he didn't play his best against Djokovic in the final. But Djokovic won't let you play your best. You won't. And Djokovic is not even using his highest gear. He's like, let's just not use too much energy and see what happens. And then time to step it up. He did enough. Yeah, Jesse did enough. That's yeah. how he's winning these slams, doing enough. His jab is enough to knock most players down, <laughs> yes. whereas most boxers would need a hook uh, yes. to knock you down. But he it's just unreal. He picks his moments. Maybe we're talking about him looking at equaling Margaret Court's record of 24, which mm -hmm. no one's ever really talked about. They've always thought the, the big record is overtaking Federer, equaling Federer. But now that's in his sight. The true greatest of all time includes men and women. It's even though in a different time, different era, Maybe not as hard as this era of Serena doing 23 and Feather Nadal and Djokovic doing 20. But yes, we have to take a look at those numbers. But I'm going to play devil's advocate. Do you think Djokovic has had it a bit easy and has it a bit easy at the moment in that Nadal didn't, and I wish Stephen was here. Hopefully he'll be here soon. Yes. Nadal hasn't played Wimbledon at all the Olympics. He's entered a golf tournament in, in Mallorca. Federer withdrew from the, the French Open. So have these players kind of lied over and let Djokovic tickle their tummy rather than put up a fight? I think that Djokovic kicked their butts long enough until this moment has uh, so they've given appeared. Up. They're just getting old. 
But even if this is my argument, OK, Nadal might not think he can win Wimbledon, but he can spoil Djokovic winning it and spoil Djokovic catching up with him. The same with the Olympics. OK, you're not feeling that great, but just try and stop Djokovic winning it and catching up with you. Yeah. You might not win the thing, but you can be the kingmaker. You can protect your place in history. So I personally find it a bit disappointing. I obviously, I, I'm not their doctor, so I don't know what's wrong with Nadal and uh, Federer. But it's a shame they're not there to try and... And Andy Murray too, the news yeah, today. Yeah, I agree. So what about the ladies? And finally, a Grand Slam winner winning another Grand Slam. I think it's great. I'm a fan of Ash Barty. I think she has a variety in her play, which is always really welcome. She can volley. You don't quite know what shot she's going to do. Sometimes I think she hits a double-handed backhand. Sometimes it's She a, can slice very slice. well as well. She's interesting. She's taken serious time off tennis before to play at a very serious level in cricket And in golf, I think it's a breath of fresh air, her winning. And it was great. It was a three-set final because I think that was the first time for about a decade. Is a that while. right? Yes. We'll have to check that out. But yes. I think and it makes a difference, really. I think it was the first three-set ladies final at Wimbledon for quite a while. And it was a good final. It was exciting. She seems very nice. Even though there are new Grand Slam winners, almost every Grand Slam in women, I really appreciate the variety and the quality of different players that we have in the women's tennis. Well, I think that's well said. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of creating stories, Emma Raducanu, have I pronounced that correctly? Ah, yes. Tell me about uh, it. British professional tennis player who you won't have heard of before Wimbledon. And um, she uh, got through and then famous match that she took part in. Just pause it. Yeah, I cut. Be as quick as I can. Come on, Jim. Yes, she played Tom Lajonovic, Berrettini's mm -hmm. uh, partner, actually. Wow, I didn't know that. Yes, and it was a prestige match. I think it was the indoor match shown late at night on the Monday evening, the second week. And um, she ran into a bit of problems and had to withdraw. Yes. And uh, John McEnroe speculated. He said, I do wonder, I don't mean to be unkind, but maybe if the occasion got too much for her, yes. because there was a lot of press attention. So much. You know, kind It's of about so heavy. her. It's a, a British player doing very well. And the third most read story, I think, that week, which was uh, Raducanu's saying, I think the occasion got too much for me. But the original McEnroe speculating whether it got too much was a bigger story than Raducanu actually saying. Of course. It did, and it's it's only natural it should get quite a lot for her. I remember when uh, McEnroe said it, um, some doctor tweeted, oh, you're a doctor now, are you, McEnroe? Yes. To which McEnroe should have replied, oh, and you were a top-level tennis player, were you? And I think McEnroe said it quite kindly. Um, Boris Becker got in trouble for, I think, saying <laughs> about a player's girlfriend in the crowd, uh, yes, she looks very pretty to me. Can you um, believe the days so we live in? <laughs> what, what do you think of that? Uh, did you see that any of the Raducanu or do you avoid the hype if a player is really hyped? I like the hypes, whatever story, if a player is playing well. But there is this intensity of emotion that is unlike anything that I've seen. Because in here we are quite reserved when we share our emotions. But when it comes to the players yeah. and team, there's so much intensity... Murray and this girl and all the other players, they feel it because it's in the interviews, it's in the press, it's around Wimbledon courts and Wimbledon area, and they are feeling it. 
and it's brutal. And the same happened with this girl. I think in football, yes, it is. The press whip us up. But in tennis, I think it is different to football. Yes. Because I think the commentators will say the whole country is excited by Raducanu. They're, and they're really not. And they'd rather see their favourite player anyway. So I think it is different. I think what the press are relaying, press hype is different to the man on the street or, wo or woman. Or woman. Yeah, you got to say those things these days or you're going to go to prison. They do the same in Portugal for whatever team and tennis player. I think every nation has oh, this, okay, yeah. this really sticky it's not just mentality. Us. No, I mean, you, you don't even want to see what happened when João Souza won the Estoril Open in Portugal. If you ever want to see stickiness <laughs> behavior to the level of... Do, do you have a Portuguese... Cringy, that's the do word. Do you have a Portuguese sports personality of the year? I don't know. I haven't lived there, so I, I really don't know. <laughs> yes, you got a good point as well, but I think it's too much pressure. And that girl definitely paid the price. Yeah. Yes, it was, a, it was a big price to, to pay too, um, which brings me really to the BBC coverage of Wimbledon. I suppose. Did you think it was good, bad? Because it's how do you normally consume your tennis? Is it through Eurosport, and then suddenly you're consuming it? I suppose through the BBC. Yeah. How do, how do you find the BBC coverage? How did you find it? Uh, the BBC coverage, and it's a shame that Stephen didn't make it because he had a lot to say about it as well. It's again, it's cringy, it's unfair. Also, the choice of the choice of matches they show, matches they yes. show, and courts, yes, where they put in the center court and the, and the court number one players don't even have fans yet. Do you think that's the TV companies, the BBC no influence idea. who gets put on the center court? It must be all part of match. one yes, one big ball. Yeah, yeah, we had matches where we had Djokovic, the number one in the world, playing on main BBC One coverage and suddenly they switch Djokovic somewhere else to put some nobody tennis player. Just brutal. Brutal. The one th uh, Brutal. I've noticed the BBC have favourite players and obviously they're going to be British players a lot of the time, aren't they? Because I think yes. you complain during the tournament, oh, they switch from this match to show Don't Cameron, do this to Cameron the number Norrie. one in the world. But Coco Gauff, is it Co Coco Gauff? Coco Gauff is one of Coco them. Coco Gauff is a player. They just, they, it's like she's the number one in the world. Yes. And they'll, they'll switch from a very good match yes. to show her knocking up in uh, Aranji Park. And... Uh, Lovely girl though she is and, and good player. You know, she needs to earn her spurs a bit. I mean, I just think over the years they've had other favourite players. Leighton Hewitt was always yes. heavily featured. Not one of my favourite players, each to their own, but just share it out a bit. But yeah, some very curious choice of main matches. And, you know, they're just desperate to show women's tennis. And sometimes the women's game is the one you want to watch. And sometimes it isn't. But it's always like, no, we will show you women's tennis on the yeah. main channel and sometimes it doesn't merit it sometimes it does I think they should always respect the rankings and the importance of the player and the popularity of the player but yeah. they have to be careful with these choices because they are not making very good choices sometimes no. I think there are some exceptions so this year at Wimbledon one thing that happened that seemed to be happening more, even though the players and the commentators said that it wasn't more, people sleeping on center court. Manarino got injured against Feather. Feather slept a hundred times. Djokovic slept. Serena slept and lost her match. 
and she was so pumped up to win this Grand Slam. It was all she believed in. And we can also comment on Serena. But what do you think about the courts? Do you believe it was slipping more than before? Because there was a few injuries. I think every year there are, are slips, but there were more slips which affected the outcome of big matches. Do you think the grass was worse this year? Well, I think um, it was more slippy behind the baseline, well beyond the baseline, and players were staying back quite deep. They had had less time to prepare between the French Open and their less warm-up tournaments. So, and you know, Djokovic does stay quite deep back, so he, he slips over quite a bit. Federer slips less because he really hugs the baseline, even at uh, Wimbledon. But he did slip various times. Yeah, he, various. he did. There's some talk, apparently, of allowing more pimples on shoes. Because uh, they're obviously allowed on the soles of shoes. They were talking about they it. they should allowed further up the shoe so that uh, you've got more grip on the side of your shoe. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that works. But uh, then there's the sliding goes away. Because I mean, Djokovic slides on. Yeah, so. yeah. It's very hard to tell. If you took away the court surface showing a Djokovic clip, you wouldn't be able to tell what surface he's playing on. Yeah. He's the same on every surface. <laughs> um, but it, Wimbledon groundsman is never going to admit and, oh dear, yeah, I didn't cut the grass properly. Yeah, it is my fault. You know, he'd probably get sued personally. It'd probably be a civil lawsuit. Yes. So yeah, it, it was a big part of the tournament this year. And of course, there's that idea in your head, if I slip on grass, I'm going to be fine because it's grass. Boris Beck used to throw himself around. Exactly. But as we know, it's not. Serena and Manorino, no, it's not quite like that. Especially it's how Serena. you fall. Yeah, especially Serena. What do you think uh, about her and what happened to her? She was so pumped up to probably one of the last chances to win the 24th. We'll never know. It was so early on. Yeah, she did seem pumped up for it. Um, didn't seem in bad form from uh, the French Open. Mm -hmm. She played quite well mm -hmm. at times in that. So, yeah, time is slipping away. And the, the ever-changing cast of Grand Slam winners... Will probably go on. I know Ash Barty's won before, but she's never won Wimbledon before. So, yeah, it's not looking too good for Serena Williams. Is she playing the Olympics? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, I suppose she's won it before. She's so far ahead of the competition. Yeah. She doesn't really need to retain it. The, it. the slam thing is the main thing. Yeah, in, in her probably mind. concentrating on the US Open now. So, yeah, she's concentrating on the slams. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, she wants that 24th, and when she gets it, next she'll up be happy. is is the US Open. Yeah, who knows? It's crazy women's tennis. Azarenka yeah. was looking very good she was. six months ago. Where mm -hmm. is she now? I know? know what happened to Azarenka. She's still playing well, but just not winning enough, unfortunately. Okay, what about the most attractive player on planet Earth? I'm trying to think who, the, if you listen to the commentary, it would be Matteo Berrettini. <laughs> even the men commentators you know, saying he's somebody... climbed down from a... No, no, no. Down Berrettini a... doesn't even get close to this player. He's box office. But, well, give, give me a clue. Box office. Box, that's the clue. Yes, he's the most attractive. He. There he. it is. The most attractive, the most... If you watch this guy play against... Anybody, including Nadal, Federer, or Djokovic, all eyes on earth are on him. I'm trying to think if there's a naked player just running around the court who's a male, a male model. Kyrgios! Hello! <laughs> well, I, I couldn't comment on whether he's attractive, really. Is he oh attractive God. to... Uh, is it the personality or the looks? It's everything. It looks a bit like a koala bear. Are they, are they no, no, attractive? No, 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 no. Koala bear, I like that. No, it's when he's playing tennis. It's just... His demeanour. 
Oh man, and he's constantly talking to the. I mean, it's yes, it's a yeah. wonderful experience to watch that guy play for the drama, for the it, it everything. Is, it is lovely, and the match of the tournament, probably the first round, and yes. people knew it was going to be good because I like Unbear too. Yes, I think he's a very attractive player to watch, mm -hmm. and that was a five-set thriller, nine-seven. I think it was indoors. Arguably the match of the tournament. It was incredible. It was a really good match. And what happened to Kyrgios? What was his uh, route? He withdrew, didn't he, against Auger Asim? Uh, Auger Asim, yes. In, in the first set, he was dominating. And yeah. then suddenly he started slipping away. And then he was not ready because he didn't even practice for this tournament, unfortunately. So he withdrew with an injury during the match? Some sort of injury. Some kind of mind injury, maybe. He definitely was not in shape. He was having muscle pains after every match. You can't come and expect to win Wimbledon or get to the latest stages without practicing. Well, did he not practice because things are so hairy in Australia? They've taken it so seriously. If you leave Australia, it's quite hard to get back in there. Mm, true. They're under lockdown. Very few of them have been vaccinated. Maybe there's something there. So yeah. I just wonder, you know, from a professional point of view, maybe he should have like stayed in London. I know he used to go drinking before matches yes. in the pub in Wimbledon Village. Or after. Right? Yes, he was playing great tennis and I really enjoyed watching him yeah. again. It's a shame that he it's, does not play more and does not win more because... We say the word it's shame with him so unbelievable. much. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, what a shame. But he, but he was a good comeback. Moments. He was a good comeback. But yeah. he, he's capable of so much more. I just wish someone had kidnapped him, McEnroe or someone, and just yes. kept him in the basement yes. and just said, this is what you need to do. <laughs> exactly. But that would have taken away what makes what Kyrgios is, Kyrgios. What who he is. The freedom, the rebellion, yes. the having a pint with a builder in the pub yes. the night before a match. <laughs> That's exactly what makes him. So I guess... We so we have to rely on enjoy. people like Titsipas instead. And what happened to, to Titsipas? Can you remember? Yes, I know. Can anyone remember? But he lost in the first or second round. First, first round, yeah, I think. After reaching the final of the... Come on, he could have done a bit better. I don't know what happened there. Medvedev? Medvedev did well. Yeah, he did okay. He did okay. Didn't justify his seeding, but I think it was the fur equal furthest he'd been at True. Wimbledon. He's on a high now. And maybe you'll carry that forward to the Olympics and the hardcore season, which is his time of the season. Exactly. We've got to mention the elephants in the room, Federer. Oh, man. The question before was, is there going to be a day where he just wakes up and he feels 39? <laughs> well, we just, we're watching the day right now. That was, uh, that was an emotional moment, that last match that he had. Do you think he played well during the tournament? Yeah, he played well. He was getting into it. Of course, he was doubting himself a lot as well, which allowed other players to come in into the matches and give him some trouble. But for me, there was an iconic moment is Wimbledon. And you tell me what you think. When he lost 6-love in the last set against a Polish player, uh, by the way, very good surprise. He's a Polish player as well. He's really funny. He plays goofy and he's funny talking as well, but he's a great player. Well, he's world number 14, but under the radar. It was good to see him play, but Federer, again, he did that uh, two weeks prior to Wimbledon where he gave up against Aliasim in Halle, I think. Yeah, and his he, tournament. And he lost 6-love or 6-1 in the last set, completely giving up. He gave an interview explaining that he never had experienced that in his life, where he gives up completely. 
And he said, I'm not going to allow this to happen again. And it happened again. That six love against the Polish player was... It felt like it was the fall of the Titan. But it can't end with that symbolic moment. That can't be his last set at Wimbledon. And I think it's not going to be. I'm sure he wants the 40 years old Wimbledon participation. Well, that would be something to say that you played in your teens, 20s, 30s and 40s. 40s and won Wimbledon at 40. So you played over four decades of your life. Yes, incredible. And um, yeah, I don't think he'd want to go out with a a six-love thing. But then there's always a danger. He goes out with losing a five-set first-round match match next year losing 6-3 in the final set yeah is that worse than going out in the quarterfinals with a six love i think during the tournament he played very well at times it looked yes. like the federer of old yeah but if you were federer you'd continue yourself and and what would your thoughts about retirement be if you were federer very difficult to say i would have to be in his body to know i know from a good friend of mine antonio who's been in this show before Yes. Uh, he had he had the same injury that Feather had yeah. in his knee. Yeah. Feather had in two knees. The recovery, the surgery, everything is really the hard. Rehab. So I think it's really difficult for Feather to, to come back and, and win a Grand Slam more now than before, especially after watching this Wimbledon. I think he's not there completely anymore. And I understand the motivation is down. You don't want to keep doing this forever and against all these young players that can do it day in and day out, non-stop. So, yes, I'm... Uh, well, what's it was the a point bit... to beat these tough young players who are training eight hours a day? Best case scenario, you run up against Djokovic in the final or the semi-final. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, I think that boat has maybe set sail. That's uh, the big thing was yeah. those two match points at Wimbledon. Uh, yes. In 2019, but it's a different world now. We've had COVID since then, more injuries for him. Very difficult. The big thing, I suppose, I always thought was, could he win the Olympics? The one thing to elude him. It's not going to happen. The singles gold. But then I thought that several Olympics ago, I thought that's the one thing he needs. He's gone on for a lot longer than I thought. I thought he should have retired. I thought maybe he wasn't really going to win anything when Nadal beat him at Wimbledon in 2008. And he's proved me completely wrong. He's had some great moments and great Grand Slam. With Federer, until he fully retires, you can never say it's over. I think it would be uh, an awful thing when he leaves tennis. He's been such a... He's been been a big part of my life and other people's lives. And I'll say it here. I mean, doing unforced errors would not be the same if he retires. I would not feel that passion about tennis unless some other messiah comes down, a a second son of God in a way. (laughs) Uh, Sorry to be melodramatic. uh, It's true. uh, I I do wonder whether I'd carry on UFE if... Federer retired. Is that, is that <laughs> a bigger thing? I know this will shock listeners. Others will be very excited. <laughs> but um, if you were Federer and you thought, okay, I can't compete with these guys. I'm not going to win another over. slam. Stop. Would you have another year where you said goodbye properly to all the tournaments? Yeah. So you said in advance, this is going to be my last Wimbledon. Yeah. So you'd have the big clap at the end. Or would you just leave it like that? Like I still remember when uh, the last match from Agassi. I mean, they clapped about four, yeah. seven, eight, ten minutes nonstop, yeah. and he couldn't stop crying. I want to see that with Feather because I think they're going to clap for half an hour. Yeah, he's a very emotional person. As uh, isn't well, he? yes. It's going to be a funeral the day that Feather disappears. I think they'll need extra tennis. police at Wimbledon if that scenario <laughs> plays out because people will be fainting, passing out, yes. running on and saying, don't do it, don't do it, we're not letting you leave until you Aye. give us another year. 
Sai. Well, let's hope for a comeback year for Feather. At least he's going to have a year saying goodbye. Or he could have a final exhibition match against Nadal as a way of goodbye. That's also true. But then Djokovic would feel left out. He'd be like, oh, Oh, people don't like me. That's true. (laughs) So maybe that's not such a good idea. Okay, so last episode, we talked a bit about Naomi Osaka's situation with her depression. And there were some things that I wanted to say that I... I stepped back and I did not because I gave her the benefit of doubt. And I decided to watch this documentary about her situation the last few couple of years or so. Exactly because I wanted to see what's going on. Yes, you know, people have the right to have the emotions they have. And we have to be careful not to to really overjudge, even though on the UFE we judge freely and openly. And it's fun because of that. We're going to hell anyway. It's fun for us. After watching the documentary, what was the text message that I sent to you? I can read you out can free. You this is a uh, text messages David sent me after seeing the Netflix documentary Naomi Ozaka. She wants to be the center of the universe by saying she doesn't want to be the center of the universe. Yep. And yes. I actually sent one in character as Naomi yes. Ozaka. I think she's a sweet girl, but it's quite fun sometimes to take the mick. And I will qualify my comments afterwards. Sure. But I got into David's spirit here. I won the US Open and I was very happy. But then I was the defending champion and everyone said I should win it again. And I didn't like the pressure and I lost. And then I felt sad. The end. And the documentary is full of melancholic music and very slow paced, trying to really represent her sadness. But there weren't many laughs. It's a bit strange to me because why a documentary if you don't want to be so... It is strange. Do you think it's her... Or her team, because her team did feature quite a bit in the documentary. They were kind of there, you know, always on their phones, as is the modern way, yes. you know, talking to each other, but looking at their phones, yes. probably counting the number of likes that Naomi's got yes. for her, her latest, I don't want to <laughs> talk to the world exactly. uh, tweet. Um, <laughs> I think her or her team? Both. She can definitely be influenced and get advice, but... She has something about her. She has confidence about her. And I think she yes, is, she's original yeah. and she speaks her mind. And I always appreciated that. And she thinks of other people. But she's also the perfect ideal candidate for what's happening with the world, with the politically correctness, with uh, uh, showing the face of somebody that goes through struggle, but is still the champion and the winner. And she's so great. But it's something that confuses me a little bit. Yeah, my girlfriend said exactly the same thing. She said, isn't it strange that she's nervous about press conferences and being in the public eye and doesn't like the attention? And yet she's done this Netflix documentary and also missed Wimbledon and the French Open because of the pressure. And yet there she is a few weeks later lighting the Olympic torch and being the face of the Olympics. It is a paradox. But I would say, David, in her defense, um, she suffered from depression, she said, and she's Mm -hmm. been very open about it. And depression isn't something you can measure like a cold or flu Mm, or your blood pressure. It comes and goes and you could be very depressed one week, one month, one minute. And then the next you're fine and you you want to light the flame and uh, you're more capable of it. So it isn't something which is fixed like a broken leg where there's a timeline for it being cured. And she is very young. 
I would say that in her defense. Agreed. And it's almost like a diary of a teenage girl. But let's remember, she was homeschooled. She was on the tennis court eight yes. hours a day. The tennis upbringing of these major players is not normal. She had a father who was from Haiti and one who was Japanese. And apparently th that was never quite accepted in Japan. Agreed. They, you know, they were never quite seen yes, as Japanese. She, she was never quite seen as American by some people. So she's had a different experience from a lot of people. Yes. I think if she's depressed and going through struggles, spend time with your family, stay away from the media, stay away from advertising, from documentaries, don't show your face to the world and recover. Can you do that as a tennis player? Can you say, I'm not going to have any sponsors because I don't want to go to these sponsors meet and greet meetings? Mm -hmm. You've got all these expensive coaches. Lots like of she contracts. has this Polish coaches. Yeah, you're tied into contract. Can you just say, I'm dropping the sponsorship. I won't have sponsorship on my shirt. I'll just take the prize money. I'll take the fines by not doing any interviews. If you are clinically diagnosed with depression, you have all the right to pause or cancel things that you have to do. For example, if your mental health is being affected tremendously and you're really suffering by it physically or psychologically, then it's very important to make a pause or stop to make the person recover. But I'm not there, so I can't say. I it's really. almost like a soap opera, and we're going to keep following it. Well, there's going to be another series, you told me, too. There are three episodes in it this series. It's season one, so maybe so, there's yeah, season watch two. watch this space. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, although it was very slow and very boring, I can't stop thinking about it. I found it funny, too, episode two, where they discovered you know, Mizaka isn't just a great tennis player. She's an incredible fashion wow, designer. Wow, look at that. Which, so not only is she talented at two things. Yes. Which made me think maybe I should try a bit of fashion design myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the fashion designers would be all over yes. me. She's got all the top models to yes. model for her. So she says some very interesting things, you know, such as uh, even though she won a couple of Grand Slams, she lost in a press conference. She said, I haven't got the mind of a champion in that I can't win when I'm playing badly. Yeah. And a true champion would do that, which is a very honest admission. That's what I like about her. Yeah. So I hope that she deals with whatever she is dealing now and goes back to being, you know, a tennis player. And, and what a player. I mean, what a player. In terms of a robot baseline tennis player, God, she hits the ball. Cold mentality. So hard, but effortlessly. There's none of the grunting of Serena. It's none. This is what it's I do. Easy. This, is, this is easy, graceful, brutal power. God help her. So... Thank you for coming and uh, see you next time. No, thank you. Enjoy the Olympics. Mm -hmm.